0: My name is Pastor Chris. I'm student pastor here at Covenant. We're glad to be here this morning with you. Um, Joel was originally supposed to be out of town, but his plans got canceled. So guess what? Y'all need to pray for the kids and kid men this morning because Joel's hanging out with them. Don't pray for Joel. Pray for the kids. All right? Um, But it's a pleasure. I get the pleasure of opening God's Word this morning and talking to you this morning. Uh, I am the student pastor, which means I get to hang out with teenagers, which makes me feel young and old at the same time. Um, and I enjoy it I love our student ministry I love our kids Wednesday nights have been a blast for me and an opportunity for me to to pour into our students and do things and help them hopefully grow in their in their walk with Christ I have a philosophy about our student ministry that a student who walks into our student ministry at sixth grade hopefully when he walks he or she walks out at 12th grade has a biblical view of the world that that will help framework themselves so that they can, be launched into adulthood in a way that'll help them succeed in their own life, but also succeed in their walk with Christ every day. So you're going to get a little taste of that this morning, because what I'm going to do this morning is we're actually, I'm going to take what we've been studying over the last eight uh, seven weeks on Wednesday nights, and we're going to talk about that. And so I'm, for the student ministry, guys, this is an overview for you. This is a review opportunity for you to remember what we studied for you guys that are here in the audience Y'all just get to hear it for the first time. But I've had a blast over the eight, last eight weeks. We've been doing a study on Wednesday nights called My Identity. Now, when I say the word identity, what makes you th- what, what? do you think of? When you think about your own identity, what do you think of? How do you perceive yourself? What do you say about yourself? Who are you? And think about that for a second. And What, is it, what does it say about you? What, what, what are those things that are important to you? Now, identity is something that is very important. It helps us with our, our our self-awareness. It helps us with our how we feel about ourselves. It helps us understand who we are and what we're doing in life. And, and our world seems to make one identity to be, you know, sometimes the identity gets beat up and broken. And identity a lot of times is wrapped up in what you do more than who you really are. Or there's your identity wrapped up in other stuff. Now, if you know me, you know a little bit about me. You know, one of the things I'm a big sports fan. And so, but, and, and I, I brought my, this is my childhood, one of my childhood items. This is a Texas Ranger baseball helmet from like 1979 that I was bought as a kid. I was eight years old that year. As you can tell, I bought it when I was a kid because it doesn't fit my big head anymore. By the way, the world champion Texas Rangers, (laughs) right? Okay, just let's make sure we get the the verbiage correctly when y'all talk about my Rangers, all right? I I love sports. I love watching sports. I was sitting last night at my home in my recliner with my iPad, working on my sermon, watching my favorite college football team play and win. I'll hopefully be watching my favorite professional team this afternoon at some point win, the Dallas Cowboys, Yes. Don't boo me. Don't boo me. All right. You know, I love sports. I love watching sports. I've always loved sports. I love, I've loved coaching sports. I've got the opportunity to coach all three of my kids in different sports over the years from soccer to basketball to uh, flag football to baseball. And I love watching my, my children succeed in sports and do things in sports. So sports is a, but I'll tell you right now, Don't let sports define me, okay? Don't let sports define you. What else could have defined me? Y'all can read that, right? My kids made that when they were little. My niece uh, helped them with it. She took and poured the yolk out of an egg and put paint in the egg, and then they threw the eggs against the piece and made it. That's how they made this. It's kind of cool. It sits up in my office, and, and my kids are important to me. I have three kids: I have a 22-year-old daughter, an 18-year-old son, and a, and a 16-year-old son, and, and I love my kids, and my kids are very important to me. And this, this, that's why this is special. That's why it sits up in my office, because uh, my kids are important to me. But don't don't let my kids define who I am either. I also wear a ring that says a lot about me, right? It says I'm married. Says that I, there's somebody else in my life that is important, and, and she is. My wife is very important to me. I, I appreciate her, I value her greatly. I love that woman, um, and she loves me, and I appreciate that. But, but it, as important as that relationship is, it, it doesn't define me. The other people might use, oh, education, diplomas, education, value, money might define people. And what they have in their possessions, homes, where they live, who their friends are. Those are so many things that the world wants to say, this is who you are, because of you, this is what you have, this is what you own, this is what you possess, those things that are important to people around you. And and people want to make those things define you, where you're from. A lot of people take what you define you because of where you're from, where you grew up what school you went to what kind of grades you got and, and we let identity define us so much and, and, and here's the reason why in Genesis chapter 3 we're told that our first parents went against God and ate of the forbidden tree that God had told them not to eat of and there's a lot of chain reactions that happen with that. And I think one of the chain reactions with that is they lost their identity. See, they were the pinnacle of God's creation. They were the ones who God created on the last day. They were the ones who were going to take care of creation and be there in creation. And God was going to be there with them along the way. And when they did that whole, or whole when they took and ate and they were deceived, their whole identity got ripped apart. And so I think in Genesis chapter 3, we see the ripping apart of identity and the change of identity from who they were as followers of God and, and creations of God, and special creations of God, to now being sinners, and now that identity's been torn away. And because of that, our world has suffered with this identity crisis, trying to figure out who we are, what defines us, and what's important to us. And that hurts us in so many ways as followers, as, as people in humanity, as we do go through that thing. And our frame of reference to our identity is, is, is changed. Because when it, when it was Adam and Eve, and they were walking with God in the cool of the day is what God said about them and who they were, because they were God's creation. When they sinned, it became more about what was going on in their hearts and the deception of the sin in their lives. Where is your identity found? I'll give you a couple quotes from some pretty famous people. You might recognize some of the names. The first quote is this, the beautiful mystery of Christ in you, that's your identity. That was said by Brian Welch, the guitar player for Corn. Maya Moore, who's been a national champion basketball player, been a WNBA pl- championship basketball player most valuable player in the WNBA. at one time she was considered the best basketball player went female basketball player said this it hit me so hard when i was in middle school that god is my father and he is my identity another famous quote from a man named josh young wait a second. world series champion all-star starting third baseman texas ranger Josh Young, just want to make sure we got all the qualifiers right. Want his identity to be right, right? Okay, all right. Said this, sports aren't going to last forever. Being a baseball player is not going to last forever, and eventually your name will fall away. When all that's over, where is your identity going to be? Where are you going to be? These are people who have reached the highest of heights in a praise and acclamation in their, in their chosen field. And yet, they will tell you their identity is found in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that's where your identity is found. It's not in the stuff that you have. It's not in all the other things that are going on in your life. It's in who Jesus is and what he has done for you is where your identity is found. 2 Corinthians 5.17 that Jimmy read earlier says that too. He says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. The old life, the old attitude, the old things that you used to hang on to have have gone. And the new has come. There's three things that 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us about our identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, we are set apart. We are a New creation. We have been recreated. And the only way you can be recreated as a human being is if God does that. You can't do it on your own. That's why it's so important when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again, born anew. And it must come from God. Christ died on the cross for your sins, and when you put your faith and trust in him, it starts this chain reaction of the Holy Spirit entering into your life, and then your old nature should start to fall away, and your new nature should come through. And the whims and the identity that you used to have is changed because no longer is your identity in what the world and culture says is important. Your identity comes into what Jesus and God says is important. You are a new creation. We call this new birth. And it can only be accomplished by God. The second thing that 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us is our old identity has been changed. The old has passed away. The old refers to the old nature. That's our old identity. So what is the old identity that's passed away? We can talk about a lot of different things that have passed away when you come to Christ. But the biggest thing that passes away, should pass away, is pride. You're like, well, shouldn't we have pride? Yeah, there is an idea of biblical pride. But the problem is when pride gets in the way of God and letting God take control of your life. And pride, your pride is more important than being changed by God. So, your pride. You know, I, I grew up playing sports and, and playing team sports, and you know, we, the coaches always just say, there's no I in team. There's no pride. As a follower of Christ, pride gets a way of letting God do what he can do in your life and changing, truly changing your identity. And so we have to have, we have to have confidence, yeah, but don't let pride get in the way of who God is and what he can do in your life. First John two fifteen through 17 says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anything, anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever your old identity john says the desires of the flesh what you physically desires the desires of the eyes what you visually desire and the pride of life is not from the father that's your old identity Creeping in. That's your old identity having it say. That's what you used to be. It's not what you are now. That's what the world says you should be about. What physically fit pleases you, what visually pleases you, and what makes you feel better about yourself is more important than anything else. And that's what the world says. And God says, your new identity doesn't say that. The old has passed away, The new has come. And that's the third point is our new identity defines us. The new has come. When something dies, many times it gives opportunity for something to be born. You can talk about it in the, in, in the horticultural world and in, in agriculture with seeds, you plant seeds. In order for something to come from the seed, the seed must die, it must cease to be what it was in order for the new to come, whether it's a tree or wheat or corn. That seed has to cease to be a seed so that the plant can become a plant and it can produce new fruit. So something when something dies, it's not always a bad thing when something dies. In many, times, many cases, it's a good thing because it gives opportunity for something else to come to fruition. In our own in our own lives, as followers of Christ, our new identity, when the old dies away, an opportunity for God's identity in us and God's nature in us to come forward and us to be different from the world around us. And the Bible has a lot to say about our identity, who we are as followers of Christ, and what we do as followers of Christ, because we have been changed by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so the last several weeks, the last seven weeks, we've been looking at that In Wednesday nights. We've been looking at different aspects of what the Bible says about our identity, says about who we are in Christ, and how we are different, and God has changed us. So guess what we're going to do real quick? Y'all are going to get the overview of what we've been talking about Wednesday nights. So if you're a youth here tonight, this is review or this morning you're reviewing if you're you know and, and if you're not guess what you get the fit and also hey youth y'all get a preview of next week oh, this coming wednesday because the eighth one is this wednesday the final one is this wednesday So showing you a little bit of pre- preview of what we've been talking about so what does the bible eight things the bible says about our new identity the first thing it says is i am chosen 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own, his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been chosen. How many of y'all, you know, when you were kids, y'all played the game where let's pick teams, and you always wanted to be chosen first? But you may have been like me. I, I, I got chosen last. We all want to be picked, right? If you're picked first, man, you feel really good about yourself because you think your friends really like you and, and think you're really good at the game that you're about to play. And, you, man, you, you're excited about it. But if you get picked last, man, you feel really bad. Like, nobody likes me. That's a terrible way to treat kids, isn't it? But we all want to be chosen. We all want to be picked for the team. Well, here, guess what? God chose you. If you're a follower of Christ, God chose you. He picked you. That's a beautiful thing. That's an opportunity for us to get up and say, thank you, God, for choosing me. The second thing that we understand about identity from Scripture is, I am forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness man, that's a good one. I'm forgiven. So the, all that stuff that I've done wrong, all those things that are, I, I should feel guilt about, I, I need to learn from them, but I don't have to feel guilty about them because God tells me that he has forgiven them. We're told that God cast our sin as far as what the east is from the west. He doesn't remember them anymore. That's a beautiful thing to think about. I have a hard enough time forgetting my own sins. I don't need, I'm glad God forgets my sins for me. We are forgiven. Next thing is, I am loved. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know, we, we hear that, that God loves us, right? And we think, okay, that's great. But do we truly understand what that means, that God loves us? You know, we hear the verse, we, we, the first verse we memorize is about God's love, right? As a kid, for God so loved the world. But we always think of that in, in terms of, oh, God loves all those people out there. Well, guess what? God loves you too. You're part of the world, aren't you? God's love is there for you as well. It's something that's a part of who you are. It's something that God gives to you, and that, and that should change, radically change our mindset of the world around us because God loves us. Remember, he's the creator. He created the world. He created everything that we have. He, he, he's the sustainer of all we, but he, he also loves you. That should be a radical change in your life and your attitude and your mindset that God deeply loves you. And he sent his shows you it over and over again, and it shows it through his son Jesus, who went to the cross and died for your sins. The next one is I am justified. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord jesus christ justification is a legal term we used to say when i was a kid it was just as if i had never sinned that's what the way god sees us justification though is a legal term it it really literally means that the the record has been cleaned or cleared completely so if you're in the court of law and you get found guilty of something but yet you're justified, you've been restored, the record goes away. We were all in God's courtroom. Our sins brought us to that courtroom. Our sins brought us into that situation where god looked at us but when because jesus died on the cross now we have been justified if we're a follower of christ we've been our record has been wiped clean we've been restored as if we had not sinned i've said this many times in this in, in covenant god treated jesus as if he were you and he treats you as if you're jesus you've been justified you've been freed from the guilt and the penalty of your sin because of what jesus did on the cross (coughs) the next thing is is i am adopted romans 8 12 through 17 says so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you are living according to the flesh you will die (coughs) excuse me, but if you live by the Spirit, you're put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm gonna, there. Um, And we just, this week was World Adoption Day. This past week. Um, And the fact of the matter is, we've all been adopted into a family because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That's a special thing to think about, that we were enemies of God, and now we've been adopted by God, and now we're children of God, which means we get all the rights, the privileges of being a child of God means. It means that we have the opportunities that we wouldn't have if we weren't children of God. It means that we get to relish in the joy of being a follower of Christ. It means so much. There's so much there about adoption. And we've all been adopted. We are all part of the family now. You know, it's, if you ever consider it weird that people in church call each other brothers and sisters, there's a reason why. It's because we truly are brothers and sisters because we've been adopted into the family of God. Which gives us those privileges. It means we're also heirs to the family fortune. That's a pretty cool thing. And we get what Jesus gets and co-heirs with Christ. And that's a pretty cool thing to think about too. So adoption, we're adopted. We're now in the family. And And the next one is, I am secure. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your position as God's child is secure. Nobody can take that away from you. Even more importantly, Nothing you can do can take that away from you either, because God, you didn't earn the position you have as a follower of Christ, you didn't earn the position that you have as a child of God, therefore you can't do anything to take it away. You are secure. We like security, right? we like to be secure. We, 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 we put security systems in our houses. We put locks on our doors. We put cameras around our house. We put, you know, we lock the cars to make sure somebody's not going to steal the car. We like to be secure. We like to feel safe that everything is going to be okay and that we're going to be taken care of. And God's looking at you going, guess what? If you're a follower of mine, you are taken care of. You don't have to worry about somebody jumping in and taking from you. You are secure. We like that security and we need that security. Because sometimes that's kind of hard to think about. We want security and God offers that to us. The next one, the one we looked at for you in the youth group, we looked at this past Wednesday. Hopefully you remember it. I am free. Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 6 says, For if we have been unified with him in in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. We are free. And we talked about freedom this last Wednesday, and we talked about freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. We talked about freedom is the, the ability to do what is right. Because some point, at some point in time, if I have true freedom, and you think you have true freedom, you can do whatever you want. At some point in time, you and I are going to meet, and my freedom and your freedom is going to clash, and somebody's got to win, and somebody's got to lose. That's not freedom. That's anarchy. There has to be limitations on it, and we have to do what's right. We actually pulled a quote from Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the Senate, that talked about that, that freedom is doing what is right. I tell our students all the time about the, that the, sometimes living the Christian life is not glamorous, it's not this great big grand production. Sometimes it's just doing the next right thing, and that's all it is. It's not this big, grand feeling that you get in your gut, in your your head, and the way you make it feel. It's not always the mountaintop experiences. Sometimes it's just taking the next right step. But here's the cool thing about freedom that we have in Christ. If a slave, a former slave, a freed slave, is standing in front of his master, and the master starts barking out orders to the slave... Does the slave have the obligation to obey that master, the former master? Not at all. We have the opportunities to follow Christ not to follow our old self, our old master. We have the opportunity to live a new self, a new life and a different life and we are no longer obligated to listen to our old master anymore because now our, we have been freed from that old master and now we walk in freedom in christ that's pretty cool now whether you give in and obey that old master sometimes that happens right sometimes we just listen and we just like oh i really want to do this because i want to do it and i'm going to listen to my old master and i'm going to do what he says has no benefit to you or anybody else around you. You are free to go tell that old master to take a leap into a large lake and stay there. Okay? I give you permission. No, actually I don't. I have nothing to do with giving you permission on that one. That's God's story. So, the final one, the eighth one that we've looked at, or we're going to look at, Wednesday night, we'll look at it more in depth, but tonight, today we'll get a little glimpse for those in student ministry, is I am finished. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure this, that he who began a good work... I'm unfinished, I'm sorry, I'm unfinished. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There is a reason... That Jesus told his disciples and his followers that if you wanted to live for him, you had to take up your cross daily and follow him. The Christian life is not one of those lives where you go, I've arrived, I'm done, I'm complete here on this earth. You're never finished this side of heaven. You're always going to be striving and you're always going to be living your life. For Christ it's something you have to do daily you're never finished we hate that in some ways right you know if you're like me I, I work on stuff I, I diddle and daddle and stuff and I build stuff and I make stuff and I fix stuff and I'm always doing something to one of them, the cars or part of the house or my job is fixing stuff. And and one of the greatest things, accomplishments, a feeling of accomplishments is like for what I do in fixing bumpers is to take that bumper off, take it apart, take out that dent, put the, everything back together, put it back on the truck and look at it and go, I'm finished. I'm done. I get paid now. Life is good. We like to be finished, but the God's looking at you going, guess what? You've lived a really good life today. You've followed me. I'm proud of you. Guess what? You get to go do it again tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And you get the point. You're unfinished. It's never done. But that's awesome also because the rewards and the opportunities that God brings your way every day are pretty awesome. Awesome. We're going to put a picture on the on the screen here. Now, there's many variations of this story. It's attributed to Native that I'm going to tell. It's attributed to Native Americans here in the U.S. It's been attributed to people in China, to someone in China. This picture actually comes from the story it's told. It's told in El Salvador. And here's the story. It's basically a guy who's talking to one of his mentors or one of his friends and says there's two dogs fighting in my head. One's a, a white dog and one's a black dog. The white dog representing good things and beautiful things and, and, and freedom and all these things in, in, of identity of who we are. And, and, and then there's the black dog that represents darkness and sadness and evil. And the friend asks his friend, well, which dog wins? And he looks at him and says, the one that I feed. Pretty good story, right? Y'all can uh, play this out in your mind. Which one wins in your mind, your old self or your new self? Well, it's the one that you feed. It's the one that you put, you know, with your body you feed, with your flesh and your eyes, or that we talked about in 1 John earlier, it's the one you feed. I have a problem, though, with this picture. And this is my problem. The white dog is too small. Y'all get what I'm putting down here? Because my God and the Holy Spirit that indwells me is much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful than the darkness that resides in my soul. And it still lives within me at times yeah it's true the one that you feed will be the one if you feed into the darkness if you feed into your old self that's what's going to come out but if you feed but the opportunity you have to feed into your new self is so much greater and so much important more important and so much stronger if your god is much stronger than the world that we live in and the sins that we could commit So that dog's a little bit bigger in my mind. If I was to paint repaint that picture, it would be a giant wolf and a little bitty black cat. Because I don't like cats. <laughs> but where's the question comes this morning? Where's your identity? What are you putting your, your trust in? What are you putting your faith in? What is it that you want to be remembered for? What is that heritage you're leaving to your kids and your grandkids? To the world around you about who you are as a follower of christ where's your identity let's pray father god thank you for this day thank you so much for your goodness and your the the love that you've given us through your son jesus christ and lord help us to walk worthy of the calling that you put on our life through him and lord help us to truly walk in the new identity that you've given us as your children Strengthen us, God, for this week, for whatever lays ahead in our lives, that we would honor you. In your son's name, amen. Hi, everybody, Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God, and if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already received from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.